It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Eric, we're walking through life lessons. And this one, um, I had never had this thought, strangely, I think until I met you, but this idea of the importance of a no. Do you want to flesh this out? Because I think it's... I think as a Christian, it's so important, especially as you continue to make progress in your relationship with Christ and just the, just even life. Um, but this seems like such a foundational concept that most of us just don't know how to do. And it sounds rude. It, just the word no. It's like, yeah, I said no. It's like, whoa, you said no? And theologically in the big picture, this is a huge issue. You know, does God just say yes to everything we ask? Because nine times in Scripture, Jesus says, just ask, and I'll say yes. We're like, oh, okay. And then does he have the capacity to say no? Should Eric have the capacity to say no? If I don't say no, my life will crumble because I have a limited number of yeses in my life. I have a limited uh, range of ability and motion and time in my life. And so imagine that I have a a little bag full of 10 yeses. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. And he's like, now take good care of those. You see, my yeses are supposed to match with my calling, the direction that God is leading me. And so when I splurge those yeses in bad territory, now I don't have my yeses for what I'm supposed to say yes to. And this is where a lot of people end up is they say yes to everything that comes along. And then by the time they get to what they're supposed to be doing in their life, they're supposed to be spending their time with God. They're supposed to be spending their time with their spouse. They're supposed to be spending their time with their children. See, I always encourage our students to first make clear a list in their own understanding of the priority points in their life that God has commissioned them to. And I just gave you my top three. So you'll notice that ministry didn't even make it on there yet. It's like, whoa, how rude is Eric Bean? He hasn't even considered ministry yet. And yet that's because these are my primary yeses. Now, ministry is one of my yeses. But then if ministry is requesting me to not be available to my kids, not be available to my wife, or not be available to my God, then what do I say to ministry? No. And so that is a reasoning point because the moment I say yes to it, I have suddenly stolen a yes from where it was supposed to go. And when I say no to something, you know what that does? It frees up my yes so that I can invest it where it's supposed to go. And so a healthy, well-balanced life is one, even though this sounds rude, that knows how to say no. And in order to preserve the yeses, And I just gave you a great secret spiritually too, because what God will do is he'll say no to us at times with some of our wild-eyed requests because he's, I like to say, frying bigger fish. He's doing something greater. He has a greater yes for us. And if he answers that, it's spoiling the greater yes. So like in the wilderness, when the Israelites were asking for meat and they're sick and tired of this manna and they get this, you know, quail, Uh, What is the statement? But they got leanness of soul. It's like, who wants leanness of soul? That's exactly the same with me. God, give me a no. I want thickness of soul. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right way of looking at it. But uh, so that's that's at least a premise point. Uh, We have limited yeses. I I think, at least in my life, I think the reason this has been so hard is because it feels 
extra spiritual to be able to be like, yes, I'll, I'll help you there. And yes, I can do that. And, and it feels like you're serving and you're being genuine and you're pouring your life out. If you just say yes to everything, which I have come to learn is it's actually a, a pride issue. Hmm. I mean, it looks humble, but it's actually a pride issue when I just say yes, because it's a fear of man. It, it's, I don't want to disappoint you and, and I don't want to hurt this potential relationship or I don't want to, you know, say no in this situation when reality, that's just self-preservation in a weird sense, uh, in a very, maybe in an unhealthy sense, where if I realize that there's actually gold in a no, because as you said, it leads to a greater yes, then I, I recognize that it, it's actually okay to love and look, look at someone and just say, I can't, mm-hmm. no, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go in that direction. I remember in the business world, uh, always being told as, as you progress, you eventually have to move from making the decisions between, you know, like what's bad and good between what's good and better. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's something true about that, even just in the spiritual life, where as I keep progressing with Jesus, there's a shift that begins to take place where it's not just, you know, should I do this good opportunity or should I do this bad opportunity? That that's usually that's not the case. It's there's this great opportunity and there's this great opportunity at some level. You can't say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't realistically say yes to all the speaking requests that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, we, we, we can't, uh, because we are, we are limited. And I think sometimes if all we do is say, yes, we're actually putting ourselves in this position where we are presuming we are the savior and we are, we are yeah. God rather than recognizing <laughs> we are not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's something beautiful about recognizing that God does say no. Could, could you work through a couple of the illustrations that we were mm-hmm. talking about before we even got on about Jesus being the boat and with Lazarus? Because I think they're, I think they're like a great picture <clears throat> from the New Testament yeah. of how Jesus says no for the sake of a greater yes. Yeah. The, Jesus is asleep in the boat. You know, that strange story, right? He's only asleep once in the entire, all scripture, we find God sleeping, right? And it's right in the middle of this crisis of all times. And I always picture him with his eye sort of open, looking around, and then he closes it real quick and creates some snoring sounds. But I have no proof of that, right? And they're in, it says their lives were in jeopardy, which, and these are fishermen, so they know what it's like to be uh, in rough waters. And here's, here's how I would articulate their request to Jesus. Jesus, could you please wake up and help us bail water? And I would say that's a fairly good enunciation of the way most of us pray. It's crisis praying, and it's very smallish. It doesn't match the bigness of God or the vision for what God wants to do. And Jesus, in essence, says no to that. I'm not going to bail water. (gasps) What do you mean you're not going to bail water? And it's because he's frying bigger fish. Peace, be still. And the answer he is giving them is exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that they're asking or thinking. And I would say that's an incredible enunciation of Christianity right there. Most of us are saying, Jesus, could you bail water and spare me in this situation? And he looks at us and says, you know, look, I want to do something so much better than that. So no. And we're like, what? And some of us will stumble over that. The fact that God is supposed to say yes, he is saying yes, but he's saying yes to our greater request. We have consecrated ourselves saying, God, whatever you want to do with my life, do it. God, I want your glory out of my life. He's answering that prayer. And yet we sometimes trip over the fact that he's not answering our will you bail water with us prayers because he wants to calm winds and waves and prove the power of his almighty hand in this generation, in and through our lives. 
Are we willing to allow him to do that? But to do that, he has to not splurge his yes on bailing water. He needs to keep his yes for what he came to do and accomplish in us. The Lazarus story, my enunciation would be Mary and Martha, you know, holding on to Jesus and saying, Jesus, could you just please heal him? And here's how they would say, now. (laughs) And Jesus doesn't heal Lazarus now. Instead, he gives him his word. This sickness will not end in death. Well, I don't, none of us want that. So in in essence, he's saying no to their request or the way that they are framing it so that he can work a greater yes. He is going to heal Lazarus, but he's going to do it in the way that will truly publish the gospel to the nations in his generation. And for us, we need to recognize that what looks like a no is actually the introduction or the segue or the foyer into a greater yes. I think it gives a a lot of peace in our prayer lives and and, in just our circumstance when, when we don't, and again, we are, we are so smallish in our thinking that when we are praying, we're, we're expecting X and God's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's so minor compared to where, where we're going that, that we get, we get distracted by where we're going because of the, what God is not saying yes to in the small. So I guess two perspectives or two practical thoughts. One is, I think this is an encouragement because in our praying and in our practical living, when it seems like God's not saying yes, we can actually rest and have the comfort that God is, God hasn't abandoned. He hasn't forsaken. He's still remaining faithful and that he will prove himself out. That means I can rest in this moment, knowing that he's going to lead me to a greater uh, reality of, of his purpose and his redemption and, and the conformity of my life to Christ. But then there's also a practical thing in my life that we have to apply, which is I have to learn to say no. That, that I just can't be available to a thousand things because I, I don't have time for the thousand mm-hmm. things. And it's recognizing that I need to become crystal clear on the priorities that God has for my life and where he's leading me and, 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 and keeping that always surrendered and open-handed to Christ, right? Because it's easy to have direction, we hold on to it, and then that gets skewed too. But, but living in this dependence and this surrender lifestyle where... I start recognizing it's actually okay if things are not aligning with what God's doing here that I can say no to this. Mm-hmm. Could you just give maybe some quick practicals? Um, someone who has said no for a long time in your yeah. life just because of necessity. Yeah. How does someone who's trying to walk in this reality, someone who's trying yeah. to learn how to say no, how uh, how do we do it? it? It does take a certain courage to say no. It's really, it's still hard for me. It is. And I, I, I have multiple invites right now that I'm dealing with that, I, I tell them, look, I've been saying no to everything in 2024, and but it does not mean we will not consider and prayerfully evaluate these things. And But it's really hard when I know the answer. It's like, I know I can't do that right now. And it's hard for me to sometimes just say, yeah, sorry, I can't come, because that sounds rude. Just the very thing I'm concerned about is that a no sounds rude as opposed to loving. I, I use this illustration with the students that we used to have, a, we used to call it Little Ellerslie, but it was Ellerslie Prep Academy, and it was on the campus, and my kids were in it. It was very cute, right? And so all my kids were pretty young, and I had some squirrely ones, and some people could argue that I still have some squirrely ones, right? But they were prone to uh, needing some daddy attention. 
And so I told the teachers, you can interrupt, just have someone run up a note to me and I will immediately drop what I'm doing in training the students. Uh, so we, you know, we have a hundred people in there, you know, being trained and then I get a note and this happened more than once. And I didn't tell the students what was going on. I just said, guys, uh, we need to take another break. We'd just taken a five minute break and I come back spoken for two minutes and then, okay, guys, we need to take another five minute break. I'll be right back. And I sprint across campus, give a little daddy attention, right? And then sprint back. I'm like, <laughs> all right, guys, let's get going. I tell them that the reason that Leslie always has access to me when I'm speaking. So she knows that I'm speaking. So if she needs to communicate with me, I know she knows <laughs> that it's an emergency, right? So someone will walk it up, could even be you, right? Uh, with even a phone with Leslie on it saying she needs to talk or you need to give Leslie a call ASAP. And I tell the students, the reason I will stop what we're doing and I'll call Leslie is twofold. First of all, Leslie needs to know she always has access to me. She needs to know the position she holds in my life. And I need to demonstrate that back to her. Same is true with God. If he needs to talk to me in the middle of a semester, in the middle of a training, well, I want to be listening. And that's an odd thing for many of us. But what it feels like is that I'm doing a disservice to the students. And that's, here's what I tell them. I said, I would be doing a disservice to you if I ignored Leslie. That's actually the disservice. I would be doing a disservice to you if I ignored my children's need for a little daddy attention because they are a chief priority. And if I'm going to disciple you well, I need to teach you how to make your chief priorities have the weight that they're supposed to have, which means you have to say no to the lower priority, even if it's awkward and say, no, I need to take this call right now. And that is not me. I do not take calls in the middle. I mean, I don't, I'm not planning on taking a call in the middle of daily thunder right now, but if Leslie needed something, we would stop this and we would start over if we had to. Wouldn't it be a great illustration? It's like, yeah, guys, we're back. Uh, Leslie actually <laughs> needed Eric. But those are very practical things where if you know what your priorities are, put weight on them. Lean into that. It doesn't mean you need to be rude, but disciple others through it. Teach them about that. I, when I'm in a meeting, I always want to have my, I have one of those flap phones, you know, that covers. So there's nothing where I should get a on my, my wrist, one of those haptic sounds that shows that I have a call coming in. And then I'll look, which always feels rude, but I'm looking to see if Leslie or one of my kids needs me. And if you, if I'm having a meeting with you and you see Leslie calling and you see me just flip it closed, right? Then it's showing a value system. And so one of the things I always want to do now, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll text her and say, Hey, can I call you back in two minutes? And, uh, but the goal is I want to be available in a meeting when I'm training, I want my priority points, God, my wife and my kids to know that daddy is accessible and he's not inaccessible because most people that grow up in ministry households, they feel like ministry is the highest priority. And then somehow they're way down the list, four five, six, you know, in the priority. And that's precisely what I think undermines solid ministry. I agree. And I think in the culture in which we live, we, because we, we don't practice this as individuals, um, and because of technology, it is presumed that we are always available. Hmm. And in other words, just having a cell phone presumes that you should always have it on. Uh, and it, even if it's two in the morning, you should be answering or you know responding to text messages. And what I've realized is that that's actually not healthy no. <clears throat> because if, if I'm actually going to grow in my relationship with Christ, I have to... You know, it's it's the Psalm, uh, is it forty six verse ten? You know, the be still and know that I am God. You have to remove the distractions. You have to cease the striving. You have to posture yourself so that you can focus on that which is most important. In other words, I shouldn't be constantly available. 
Uh, I, I should reserve some time for rest so that I'm ready to pour out the next day. And, and I think it'd just be really good to remind all of us in this distractive culture in which we live that it is not more godly to always be available. And it's not more godly to always say yes. In fact, it is actually godly to say no to having means of protection, but but to do so with love and, and a guardedness that says, I, I do actually really care about you and I really care about your need. However, I do have to say no yeah. and maybe provide some other options. But but to recognize that, that we can lovingly showcase the no, and, and if I can just encourage you, watching your life over the last 20-ish years, wherever it's been now, uh, it has been such a blessing to me to watch how you can say no. And it actually gives me a great rest and confidence because I know that your priorities are straight. Uh, and, I, and I recognize that when, when we're in training season, you're like, all right, well, I'm going home to my family. It can be like, excuse me, I'm with the students. You know, like, <laughs> why are you going to leave? And yet it actually is a blessing to me because I recognize that by you protecting your marriage and by you protecting your family, that it actually makes this ministry stronger. And so I just want to remind everyone else that the no's, even though it can look almost as rude, it actually gives great strength and a great dependency on God because we're posturing ourselves to recognize that that he's going to have to be God in in the midst of our lives and our situation. We, we can't do this. And I think it's a rich blessing. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.